Welcome to the Cherry Hill Sermon Podcast. The following message is part of a sermon series called The Blessing. Together we're learning the importance of giving the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. Thanks for joining us today. In one of his books, Max Lucado tells of a break-in of a large department store in a major metropolitan area. The culprits were able to get in, commit their deed, and get out without being caught. It was quite an unusual stunt, for they stole no merchandise and no money. They just switched the price tags on almost everything in the store. (laughs) The $395 price tag on a camera was switched with the $5 tag on a box of stationery. An outboard motor was repriced at $5.95, the original price on a paperback book. It was a brash move, but what was even more startling was that the store was open for four hours of business the next day before anyone noticed that something was wrong. (coughs) Switching price tags, putting different price tags on things, If you were to ask me what my life was like before Jesus Christ changed me, I would tell you that I was in the price tag switching business with people around me. I I said some things to people that devalued them on a fairly regular basis. My buddies and I actually thought it was cute I remember one particular guy that lived in the same neighborhood as me. His name was Mike. And one day after school, his only crime was that he was in my path. And I began to call him every name associated with loser that I could think of as I walked behind him for blocks. And what's really worse is that I didn't even notice what I was doing. I thought it was wrong. I just thought I was funny. I used my mouth to curse, literally, and to curse people in ways. Now, people say, Jeff, you're being hard on yourself. Did you ever say anything? I said, yeah, sure. But I will tell you that my life beforehand was I used people and I cursed more people than I blessed with my mouth. And it was part of what led me to realize that I needed Christ. And one day, I used my mouth to cry out to God to save me in his grace. And he did. And when he did, he turned me from being a person who was turned in on myself to now turned out to look at him and other people differently. And I bring all that up because when we talk about the blessing series, some of you are probably saying, like, now, why are we doing this? One of the reasons I feel like this is so important is because the blessing, friends, no matter what I say to you throughout this series, the blessing is the gospel. The blessing is the good news of Jesus Christ. In short, here is the good news. The Bible says is that God made us in a love relationship with him, to be highly valued and to know his value. And he made us like that and wanted us to be people that were turned out towards him and turned out towards each other. But the Bible says all of us, 
all of us, not just Adam and Eve, have sinned. We've turned and gone our own way. And when we did that, the ripple effect of that was massive. And it turned us in on ourselves. Not that we could never do anything good, but now even the good we did was twisted. Now it was twisted. The motives, the ulterior motives were not the same, and they were all about us. And what's worse is we didn't even think it was wrong. And then God, by his grace, instead of just making us and letting us stay in that state, he made us and he paid for us, the Bible says. In order to make that right, he gave his one and only son to die in our place that whoever would look to him, that whoever would trust in him would be able to receive saving, restoring grace. So that now a person like me could be turned out, a person like you could be turned out again to once again live under the blessing of his valuing us and be able to pass on that value to other people. Now, in the Bible, when generations like the patriarchs of the uh, Old Testament, the, the different families would pass on the blessing, it was a mirror of what God intended to do for people that would come to believe in his son. And so we've been in this series called The Blessing, and we've been looking at some of the elements that happen when God blesses someone, when God values someone, when God favors someone? What does it look like in human relationships? And so if you're following along, this is the definition we've been using for the blessing. The blessing is words and actions that convey affirmation. Words and actions that convey affirmation, love, value. But what I want you to see is on the back of these, we've been talking about some of these elements. And in no way do I want any of you to think that if you do all five of these elements, you can do them without God. If you do them without God, you're still turned in on yourself. You're, you're trying to do life without God. That's not what you were made to do. You were made to do life with God. You were made to experience his supernatural transformation in your life so that now you could be a person turned out first to him and then to every person you would meet. And when you and I understand that, we begin to see that some of the things that will flow out of our lives. One is meaningful touch. In the patriarchs, when they would bless their family, they would lay their hand on their shoulder, they would touch them. God wants to touch every person he really does. But also, spoken words. They would speak words, words of life, and then they would express high value. Last week, we talked about spoken words and their importance, spoken or written words. This week is an extension of that, expressing high value. Like when I do speak, how do I speak? What am I aiming at? Expressing high value, picturing a special future, and then an active commitment. We're going to talk about those things in the next few weeks, and we're going to end the series by talking about how can we as a church church, joined together to be a multiplied blessing in this city and in this world. But as we keep going, let me just ask you to think about the word bless as we find it in the Bible. We've been saying that this is an important word in the Bible, and Chuck already mentioned it, but the root word for bless, if you didn't know it, means literally, it's a dual meaning, to bow the knee, if you're following along, and to add value. The root word for bless is to bow the knee and to add value. Like when we say bless the Lord, what do we mean? The word bless means to praise, to appreciate, to exalt, to esteem, to honor, to value. And when we do that, what we're saying is, I value you, Lord. I honor you, Lord. 
I appreciate you, Lord, in large part because of what you have come to mean to me, what you've done for me, and how you've turned me outward, and now I'm learning this. And friends, here's what I hope. Here's why I wanted to do this series. If you can get a hold of the vision that God has for your life, if you can walk around planet Earth and into eternity aware that once you were made out of great value in God's heart, and yes, you and I have sinned. We've gone our own way. We thought we were smarter than God, but God did not leave us there. He now made us to restore us and turn us outward. And if you've never done that, friends, today could be the day. He's looking to all who will look to him, all who will trust in him, all who will humble themselves and dependently believe that could be me. And if you can walk around saying, my whole purpose in life now is to value God and to value every person I meet. Oh my goodness, think about the great things that could happen when people understand that. And so that can change homes. You, you don't have to be part of a family. You can be part of a church family, yes, but you can be this kind of person in the world. This is what he made us for. So I don't know if you know this, but so many of us long to be esteemed, and we wonder, where does that come from? It comes from the fact that we were once made to know the real esteem of God and even the esteem of people. We long for it. In fact, here's a verse, Proverbs 22, 1. I love this. I was thinking about this this week. Um, do we have it right there? Proverbs 22, 1. Um, we will. We will. Here it is. To be esteemed is better than what, friends? Silver or gold. In, in nowadays language, to be esteemed is better than money. Deep down, this is the longing of our heart, and God knows that, and God's made us for this, but also he's made us to esteem. And so I want to talk to you about how we express high value today in our relationships and where that flows out of in the scripture. So let's pray. Now, God, um, I just want to stop and recognize that every person I'm going to speak to this morning, you've already been working. You've already been working in their lives. And what's good news is, is you want to work in their lives in ways that I can't even imagine or fully appreciate. I pray that as we look to you, as we listen to you this morning, that you will show us how you can do that and that we will be able to give ourselves fully to that. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so expressing I value, let's talk about this some more. We talked about the word value. Let's talk about what that means. It means to recognize or to attribute the worth of something. So when you recognize the worth of something, you don't miss it or take it for granted. You actually go, wow, wow, that's worth a lot. That's, that's valuable. We talk about a person or to treat as weighty, to treat as weighty. Um, the Hebrew word for honor or value uh, literally means to make heavy, to make heavy. So the idea is, is that if I treat someone lightly, I'm not making them heavy. I'm not seeing the, the substance in them, but when I value them, I am. And so we wanna learn how do I express to someone around me, maybe in my family, at work, school, neighborhood, friend, how do I express high 
value. First, I want you to see some of the examples in the Bible. The Bible shows, if you're following along, people practicing this. It shows people practicing this. Uh, I list out to the right Genesis 49, 28. It basically says that Jacob blessed uh, his sons, uh, his, his grandsons, and, and also he, had, he blessed each one of his sons with a particular name or metaphor or word picture. He said, you know, Judah, you're like, you're a lion's cub. He said, you know, to Joseph, you're a fruitful vine. And what he was saying is, you have tremendous value. I've thought about how each one of you has value. I'm not talking about favoritism. I'm paying attention to the good work God's doing in each of you. And that's how I blessed them. He expressed something that I bet those people never forgot the name their father gave them in that blessing. He said, I'm a fruitful vine. I'm, I'm a lion's cub. I mean, they, they, they searched in their hearts, and I think they thought, wow, to be touched like that. But notice that at the top there in the first gray box, we see how Isaac blessed Jacob. So Jacob, also called Israel, turned around and blessed his sons, but notice what Isaac did. Let's read this together from Genesis 27, 27. Isaac blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Some of you go, Thanks, Dad. <laughs> but this, in a culture where your fields were everything, and when they were fruitful, you just ask any farmer, we had several in the last service, you ask them what it's like when their field is flourishing. And you think about on a summer night, the smell of fresh cut hay. And you think about that, and there's just a sense of, man, to me, you are like a really wonderful day in my field. There's just a richness about having you in my life. And, and uh, Jacob would have treasured that, even though in our culture it might not translate exactly the same. I told you uh, last Sunday that I made a trip out to Western Iowa. I'll tell you what, just, just being sometimes in some of those fields just does something to me. And I, I, I feel some of the depth of what he's trying to communicate with this metaphor. The point is, is that there was a number of examples like that. And uh, I list some of those out to the right. Look at Psalm 95. Can we show that? Psalm 95, 6 and 7. Let's read this together. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Now, again, you may not think of yourself as a sheep, but what it means is, is that he's, he's taking care of us. He knows us. He wants to watch over us, and also we want to exalt him. We want to esteem and value him, and we want to recognize he's greater than us. We want to bow the knee. We want to kneel and bow down. And so it's a beautiful thing. The Bible shows people practicing this. I could, I could give other examples. Let me move on. We see it, if you're following along, in Jesus' teaching and interactions. We see it in Jesus' teaching and interactions. If you ask me one of the things that has deeply affected me, it is how Jesus valued people. Unbelievable. I could just go down the list. A man named Nicodemus felt valued by Jesus. A woman by the well from another country felt valued by Jesus. Children felt valued by Jesus. Even his enemies felt valued by Jesus when he challenged them. 
And on and I could go. Stories like the prodigal son being valued by his father were stories Jesus told. But all and on. But let me just give you one right here to the right. If you look at the Matthew 10, 20, um, 29 through 31, this is an interesting verse. He said this one day in his teaching. He said, look, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? You know, those little birds. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care without him knowing it. And even the very hairs of your head. Do you realize everybody in this room has a different number? Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more. You are worth more. You are worth more than many sparrows. Some of you have never realized that Jesus taught like this. He taught in other ways too when he was telling us, look, you're worrying, it's because you don't realize how valuable you are to God. You're worrying because you've never really been touched by the truth of this. It's just theory to you. But when you're touched by this, when you know it, wow, what a difference. And so he taught this way. Again, I could give more. One of the ways he did it, out to the right, I list John 1, 48. He had an encounter with several of the first disciples. And one of them, a guy named Philip, had spent time with Jesus. So he went and got his buddy Nathaniel and said, come meet this guy. We think he's the Messiah. And he said, he's from Nazareth. And, and Nathaniel goes, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now there's a value statement right there. So Jesus could have said, I heard that. And I'm going to zing you one. No, he said, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel goes, how did you know me? He goes, oh, I saw you when you were sitting under that tree. He goes, it's getting creepy. <laughs> you know me. You see in me what I don't even see in me. Jesus just did this. And people just went, what are you seeing? To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Oh my goodness, what he, Jesus is the essence. He values people. He understood that they're the most important things more than money, more than accomplishment, more than anything. But if we're going on expressing high value, notice this, that if we're going to learn how to do it, Jesus did it, people in the Bible did it, but if you and I are going to learn how to do it, I don't know if you saw Kevin Elliott's testimony last week, but he talked about how this coach was intentional about speaking to him one day at school. And I want you to see that expressing high value is an intentional choice we make to say and write the words of high value. It's an intentional choice we make to say and write words like that. And it, in other words, it's a deliberate choice. We talked last week about how it's easy to clam up instead of speak up. It's easy to think the thoughts and not express the value. And it could be for lots of reasons. Maybe we never heard it, so we don't have as much practice. Maybe we're just so busy. Maybe we're torqued at the person at the time. They're frustrating us. Maybe it's because we don't think we're good with words. But friends, at some point, all that stuff's got to be decided to be put aside if we're going to do this. And I talked about how my dad, even though he hadn't experienced that very much, he broke the chain. 
and you can break the chain. This is the good news of the gospel is that it can start with you. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be someone who has self-pity driving your life. You can say, you know what? I am going to learn now that God, by his grace, has turned me outward. I'm going to learn how to get better at expressing high values so that the people in the next generation or the people around me experience what maybe I didn't but can because Jesus is working in me. And when you and I make that decision, John Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach, used to say to his players, don't just tell me what you're going to do, show me. And, when, and they knew, okay, all right, I can't just think about it. It's got it's to move from my mind to my body. It's got to move into my actions more and more. So expressing high values about that. But let's think about this on a human level. Where does that start? If you're following along, it begins with how we see people in our hearts. It begins with how we see people in our hearts. Out to the right there, I list Matthew 12, 11, and 12. Friends, by the way, I list different scriptures. Some of you tell me you actually look at the notes later. If you ever have a desire to go into this deeper, my prayer is that the word of God will shape how you live. Because it's God's way of saying, look, I'll show you how to make life work now that I've come into your life and turned you outward, but I want to teach you how to be wise. So Matthew 12, 11, and 12 is a story where Jesus is with these religious leaders, but they haven't been turned outward. They're religious. They talk about God all the time, but they're still turned inward. They've not been born again of his spirit. And he's talking to them about the fact that they're arguing over whether or not he should heal somebody on the Sabbath. And he goes, something's wrong the way you put price tags on people in your heart. He said, if one of your sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you'll pull it out. But you don't want me to heal this guy on the Sabbath who is far more valuable than that sheep? Something's starting in your heart that's got to change at the heart level. Because if it doesn't, the way you look at people with your heart is the way that you will either value or devalue them, like I did with Mike. Think about this. Why was I able to devalue Mike with words? It all started in my heart. There was a heart problem. And and Matthew 12, 34, uh, look at this verse. I I think we even mentioned it last week. But Matthew 12, 34, it's just a simple sentence. Let's read it out loud together. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you and I ever say something, oh, uh, oops, that wasn't me. It was you. (laughs) Now, you may not have wanted it to come out, but it started here. And so... What's great about the gospel of Jesus, the good news message of Jesus, is that he's come to deal right at the heart. He wants to change us on the inside. He's not just telling us to do all these external things outside, like do the five elements. No. If he changes our heart, then now these five elements will flow out of that more and more as he gets a hold of us. And so as we think about this, how do you look at people? And if you're following along, here's the idea. It's seeing as God sees them. It's seeing them as God sees them. This has changed my whole life. When God began to turn me outward and begin to show me that I needed to look at people differently, one of the first people that he showed me that I had been putting the wrong price tag on and seeing in the wrong way was Mike. 
So in high school, after I had been born again, I just knew I had to go back to Mike because I had broken a whole bunch of pieces inside of him. I had not esteemed him. And I knew that it was going to be hard for him to forgive me just because all of a sudden, you know, I got Jesus. And I went to him and I just said, I don't know if you can ever forgive me. And I know I can't undo the damage that I did to you. But I want you to know that now I see you for who you really are. You're valuable to God. And I said different. And he wants me to get that cleaned up. But I just want you to know I was wrong. And I need your forgiveness. And I see you differently now. And I'm thankful I was able to do that. I wish I could tell you all the time that that's what happens. Even this last week, I was in a conversation with someone about someone that's not part of our church, a friend that I made years ago. And as I was talking about him, I realized I was just ticked off of this person. And so I was saying some things, and the Spirit of God goes, the price tag you're putting on this person right now is not the price tag I have for them. And so he took me back to some things I want to just walk through with you. How can we see people as God sees them? There's two things I want you to see, maybe even three, but here's what I want you to see. The reason why every person that you and I lock eyes with has value is because they were made by God and paid for by God. Made, paid. First is made. Friends, I don't know if you realize the damage that's been done by the teaching of the theory of evolution. We're not just talking about whether it's right or wrong here. We're talking about how it plays out. The Bible says is that we are not some sophisticated pond scum. The Bible says is that we have been made by God. Made. If we believe that we are the result of evolution, then here's what that honestly means, is that you are an accident, you are a result of chance, and you are not made by God. What the Bible says is that you and I and every person you'll ever lock eyes with has been made in the image of God. I list out to the right Genesis 1 where it just says, God said, let us make man in our image, male and female. He created them, and then he blessed them and said, be fruitful. This was what God originally did. You are not an accident. You are not just an idea. You are someone that God fashioned and made and created. And your value, my value, does not come from being inherently good in ourselves. Our value comes because inside every one of us is this label, made by God. Does someone need to hear that today? Has someone been told, we didn't want you? You were an accident. I don't know why we had you. You were made by God. And when I begin to have conversations with people, I scroll through this. If they're new to me, if I know them, if they've irritated me, I just try and look and say, you made them. Now help me marvel at how you made them instead of being disrespectful and putting a different price tag. The second thing, though, is it goes further. 
I told you that the problem is, is the Bible says we also all have sinned. That's not an oops thing, by the way. That's not a, oh yeah, we've all sinned. That is the most egregious treason we could ever commit. The one who made us in love, the one who made us in value, we decided to get our value somewhere else. We decided, I think I can run this show better. And all of us have turned away from God. And when we turned away from God, we turned in on ourselves, and now everything we do is twisted. It's not the same. And God came and he said, okay, I made you, and now you're not operating the way I made you. And I could leave you in that situation, but I love you too much, and I'm going to seek you out, and I'm going to send my one and only son, my one and only son. He's going to give himself. I'm going to give him to you. The Holy Spirit's going to work in this whole thing too. And as he dies on the cross, he is going to pay the penalty and the consequences of what you and I did by turning away from God. So that not only can you be forgiven and washed clean, but now you can be turned outward. It's a miracle. He can turn us outward so that now we become interested in God again and we see his value and we become interested in other people and he can make us lovers. He can make us people that add value to people wherever we go because now he's restored that purpose. And it all cost a lot. It was paid for by Jesus Christ. Therefore, I try to never walk around without thinking about this. When I see one of you or when I see somebody, friends, even if I were to encounter someone from ISIS, I would want to remember that is a person for whom Christ died. I cannot put a different price tag on them. But I do. And when I do... The grace of God keeps bringing me back. Oh, Jeff, there you go again. Come on, remember I made you for. Come on, I blessed you to be a blessing. I made you. That doesn't mean we don't stand up against evil. That doesn't mean we just go, oh, they were made by God. They were paid. No, we have to challenge each other sometimes, but even then we do it with a reverence and appreciation of valuing of people that's different. And this is making sense, friends. This is what God wants for us to see as God sees people. The Bible says is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrated his value for us and his love for us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever trusts in him, that whoever believes in him, instead of believing in themselves and trusting in themselves ultimately, will not perish but have everlasting life. That doesn't mean heaven, friends. That means a whole different quality of life now where I begin to live in that new quality of being valued and valuing others. This is what he wants. And so if you're following along, expressing high value, we do it with word pictures that affirm who people are. This is one of the things they use. So I told you earlier that uh, the, the patriarchs would do that. They would say, you're a fruitful vine, you're a lion's cub, those kind of things. But it also said they picked unique things about each one of their kids. And they use word pictures or metaphors sometimes. Sometimes they would do things like this. They would say, you are like this to me. I heard of a story of how one husband who had to travel a lot just so appreciated his wife and the way that she held together the family and did it with such a sweet spirit. So one day before he left, he gave her a clothespin. And he said, every time I look at this clothespin, I remember how you hold our family together as one of the most important human beings in our family. And so she painted it white with a little red heart on it and put a magnet and put it on the fridge to remind her every time what her husband had said to her. 
and uh, it encouraged her, it lifted her. But sometimes word pictures, metaphors, uh, sometimes you may say, you're like Uncle Harry, and everybody in the family loves Uncle Harry. You go, wow, I want to be like Uncle Harry. You can do all kinds of things, but using your imagination. There's a lady in our church that I dearly appreciate. Her name's Tamika, and she's going to share her testimony. Watch now as she shares. Hi, my name is Tamika Kincaid. I've been attending Cherry Hills since the fall of 1989 when my husband and I relocated to Springfield. As the mother of two boys that are now grown, it was really important to me to make sure that they knew that they were a blessing and that they were valuable in my eyes. I wanted to make sure that they were loved well and that they could be confident that their father and I were on their team. Although I didn't have that confidence myself growing up, I wanted them to have it and know that to their core. I grew up with a mother that was not well loved by her mother. So she had a hard time making me feel highly valued. No matter how hard I tried, I never felt I measured up. Not receiving the blessing from her deeply affected me. I still have a hard time allowing myself to feel valued. And at times, all I could hear was how I didn't measure up. I didn't meet her expectation. Without realizing why, I spent many, many years trying to please those in authority over me, whether that be a teacher or a boss. I was just hoping to be noticed hoping to be valued. The turning point for me came 26 years ago when Pastor Gary did that first blessing series. It gave me permission not to be that victim because I could know the blessing through my relationship with Jesus Christ and that Christ's love would supersede any lack of love or value that I had felt from my mom. Then, as I've gotten older, I felt Jesus wanting me to bless my mom. Jesus wanted me to help my mom know that she's valued in a way that she could get the blessing from me, even if she didn't get it from her mom. She could still know that blessing. I'm not going to lie and say it's been easy. And I'm not going to say her words don't still hurt because they do. But I will say our relationship has not been the same. It's taken a lot of work, but we relate so much better to each other now. And I've had many chances to love her as Jesus loves her and as Jesus has loved me. And I'm sure there are times when he thinks he's having a hard time loving me. If you don't know that blessing from your parents, you can, you'll find yourself looking for it everywhere, but you can know that blessing. Stop looking. Jesus is ready to give you that blessing. This news has changed my life, and it's still changing my life every day. Thank you, and God bless. 
And it's really been neat to see the way that God's broken the chain in Tamika's life and just watching her oldest son just turned 30 this last week and he was one of my son's buddies and just watching the blessing that's flowed, the grace that's flowed into their family as a result of Jesus' work that way. That can happen for you. Friends, if you're sitting here and you're saying, like, how do I do that? It, it, it starts by crying out to God and saying, I see it, I'm turned in on myself and I don't even know if you value me, but if you are telling the truth in your word, then I, I turn from that and I turn to you and ask you to do what I can't do in my life. Save me. Let Jesus Christ, what he did for me, prevail and avail in my life, and he will do an incredible work in your life. So here's one more thing, expressing high value. One of the ways we can do it is not only with word pictures and similes, words like like, but also by telling them often how much they mean to you by telling them often how much they mean to you. I guess what I want you to see is, is that sometimes the way that we can express high value is not just once in a lifetime, but daily, often. Repetition. Building in sometimes just different practices. Sometimes I know some of you uh, put notes in lunches that you might pack. Some of you may do it at bedtime. Some of you may do it when you're, you're in the vehicle together, riding somewhere. Uh, sometimes you may stand at the front door and pray before you, you, one of your kids leaves. You know, sometimes people say, you know, make sure your kids say their prayers. Can I just say this? Don't just make sure they say their prayers. Pray with them. And when you pray, go, God, I thank you for how you've made this child, this son, this daughter. Or when you pray with a spouse or when you pray with a friend, take time to say, God, I see the value of this person. I just want to acknowledge. But in our family, uh, I, I had a lot of times I was busy. And so I always tried to get home at night to try and tuck our kids in as much as possible. We read books to them that talked about how I love you forever. I'll like you for always as long as I'm living, you know. My Jeremy, you'll be. My Luke, you'll be. My Natalie, you'll be. And we would sing to them. Uh, one thing I did, I know you've heard me tell this before, some of you, but I heard another guy talk about how when he tucked his kids in, he would tell the whole long line of boys or girls. So I started with our oldest son. When Jeremy was about three years old, I started tucking him in. And so sometimes I'd hold him while I was doing this. And after we'd prayed and I'd go, now, Jeremy, I want to tell you a story. If they were to line up all the three-year-old boys in a whole long line and tell me I could pick any three-year-old boy for my son, that'd be an awfully long line. You know what I'd do? I'd go down that line and I'd be looking for a boy with a body just like yours and a smile just like yours and a personality just like yours. And there'd be lots of neat boys. So I'd say, you're neat, but not you. You're neat, but not you. God made you. I know. I appreciate you, but not you. And I'd get all the way to the end of the line and guess who'd be standing there. And it was so fun because the more you tell the story, the more they get involved. So you'd go, me! And I'd go, that's right. And I'd say, hey, I want, I want to take you home with me. And I tell you this story, Jeremy, because you're going to have good days and bad days. You're going to have days when you get it right, when you don't get it right. Here's what I don't want you to ever, 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 ever forget. That I would pick you again. I could see, I could see his shoulders rise every time I said that. My daughter asked me to tell that story into her teens, and I did. Last week, after she had been here with us, we had lunch and she got on the road. She texted me three letters, P-Y-A. 
A. Pick you again. They used to joke and say if they were to line up all the dads in a whole long line. <laughs> I don't think they felt that way every night. <laughs> Friends, here's the truth. You can do this. I don't know how you'll do it, but you can say, I appreciate this about you. I notice God's doing this in you, and you can do it. So let's talk quickly about how to practice the blessing. Here's the first thing I hope you walk away with today. Practice the blessing by first praising God from whom all blessings flow. By praising God from whom all blessings flow. This is the right place to start, friends. If God has given you that good news of being valued by making you and by paying for you, then now that you're turned outward, you have been made to be a worshiper. You have been made to exult in the one who made you and to know him better. You've been made to worship him and praise him. And some people go, well, you know, that's just a perfunctory thing. I don't necessarily need to do that. Do you realize that it's while we're praising him and we're praising him as we're getting to know him better in the scripture, who he is, and as his spirit reveals himself more and more to us, as we're praising him, something happens. Something flows from him into you that you now have to give to someone else. And it's while you're praising him that he can, he can redirect us, he can correct us, he can reassure us, he can do all those things, but it's while we give him our attention that he has our attention. And then he can lead us and we can be re-empowered and refilled up. And so praising him is not just a perfunctory thing, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. We're going to praise him in just a moment. But notice this, that if you want to practice the blessing with other people, notice and name what's praiseworthy in those around me. Notice and name what's praiseworthy. I love Philippians 4, 8 out to the right. It says, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. That means that you and I, each day when we wake up, oh God, teach me how to notice. And then when I notice, teach me more and more often to name what I see you doing that's excellent or praiseworthy in other people. And when you and I begin to do this, it's powerful. There are so many people in this church that serve and you serve out of a heart that just touches me so many times. And so a lot of times when I'll thank people, um, I'll just say, you know, I not only appreciate that you just did that, but the way in which you did that, your heart. I see something of God working in you. I know that's where it's coming from. It's coming from a neat place. And it's just important to say stuff like that. When I was 20 years old, I was sitting down lunch with my dad, I told you that God broke the chain and he began to look for ways to talk to us kids differently. When I was 20 years old, he said, hey, uh, what do you think God's doing in your life as far as what spiritual gifts he's given? And I said, what? I mean, I didn't even know what that meant. And anyway, the conversation basically went this way. He said, Jeff, I see in you that God's made you an encourager. 35 years later, I still thank God that my dad said that. Because every day now I wake up and say, God, who's one person I can encourage today? I may not be able to encourage everybody I want to, but show me at least one person before I lay my head in the pillow. How can I add value to one person in some way with a word, a look, or a touch? Show me, oh God. And the last thing here is act today. Text, tell, text, email. Call one thing I appreciate. You can call someone, you can talk to someone, text, email, what it might be, write a note. 
but what would it look like for you? So I want to just give you some space right now to bow your head and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? Is he asking you to put your trust in him and stop being turned in on yourself and letting him do a miracle of his salvation work so that now when you practice the five elements, you're not doing them because they're good elements, but because he's growing in you a new way to live. Is he showing you maybe someone that you've devalued like I did with Mike and that you need to value? Is he showing someone you've been ignoring? Or is he showing you, what is he showing you? Because he has made you. The vision he's made for you is glorious and he wants that for you. You matter to him.